signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Co- context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Uh, thanks for coming back for another show after last week. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I, I didn't I didn't see anybody dragging us for that. I I thought uh, I thought that mostly went over pretty good. One of the great runners in the history of our show, I think. <laughs> we, we were both like, "Wow, this this may truly drive our audience away once and for all." <laughs> you know what that that really gets back to like the core goal of our show from the very first episode. It's always been do what makes each other laugh. Yeah. That that's what did it that time. This may be like overly sincere by half, but as far as creative risks go, like I kind of feel like Discovery is taking big swings like that this season as well. Huh. Maybe we're inspired by the show we're watching. Wow. Uh <laughs> Sure. <laughs> more more something by half. I'm <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying uh I'm not saying every every swing is is a hit, but uh you know what you you're not wrong. Uh this this show and by the sh- by show I mean Star Trek Discovery is is taking some swings, all right. Those swings are with a giant sword. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true indeed. Um, I'm feeling a little like slurry this morning. I hope people don't think I'm drunk. <laughs> really? What's your problem? Do you have some morning nog? I haven't yet. I, I actually do have a plan to make some nog later today, but I, uh, yeah, we're we're doing an early morning greatest disco. You're you're uh, headed off to uh, to take your doggy somewhere fun. Mm-hmm. I hear. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're cracking into this early, but I'm like, eh, the people are going to think that this is a late night and I've already been hitting the sauce. Yeah. I mean, you're going to sound even worse to the people who, uh, who adjust the speed of the show using their <laughs> podcatcher. Yeah. But, but here's a message to all of those, those people who do that. Uh, we're always sounding terrible to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to ruin the show. You did that for us. Right. Yeah, I think you sound normal to me, Ben. Oh shit. You sound just like you, <laughs> you always You saying do. I sound this bad always? <laughs> you you sound like you right now. Wow. And I mean that as as neutrally as possible. Feels great getting that kind of support from your podcast partner. <laughs> Damned with neutral praise. That's what I'll do. <laughs> You're in a freezing cold studio. Uh, ben, I I would expect to hear teeth chattering instead of slurring, but I guess that's what happens. Like, like if you get uh, if you get thrown into icy water, uh, and your body starts to shut down, you will start slurring. That's one of the symptoms of hypothermia, right? Yeah, yeah. They call it uh, chill drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids are trying it. Uh, but you know what I know from Voyage of the Mimi is uh, is you take off all your clothes and you get in a sleeping bag with somebody that doesn't have hypothermia, mm. and you'll be right as rain. But uh, perversely, they will get drunk. 
you know that's uh, the price they pay in my own personal voyage of the meme uh, the top box <laughs> is drake saying no way to real alcohol and then on the bottom box he's like giving finger guns to jumping into a lake of icy water <laughs> Oh, man, if that's not on Twitter when I wake up on the Tuesday morning that this episode releases, I will be furious at our audience. I know. And I want all all variations, right? I want the Drake one. I want the Jordy one. There's a couple of others, right? Gotta have motorcycle dad and son. <laughs> My personal favorite meme. <laughs> Take us through the entire voyage of the memes. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Um car swerving to get to oh yeah uh two buttons that look exactly the same and a sweaty guy trying to choose which one yeah uh, one is getting drunk the other is saving someone from hypothermia (laughs) (laughs) uh like brain with some electrical activity getting drunk brain with a little more lightning uh, jumping into icy cold water, like <laughs> galaxy brain, taking a drink to the dome while jumping into an <laughs> an ice covered lake. <laughs> uh, cosmos brain drinking eggnog while jumping into an icy lake of eggnog. Yeah. There you go. What you doing out here with all this eggnog on a Thursday afternoon? I am I'm to the point now in my eggnog growler where, where I'm starting to count the glasses that are left. I got to time this mm. thing out so I don't run out uh, yeah. before the new year. <laughs> new year is obviously the cutoff for eggnog. I'll, I will not drink eggnog after New Year's Eve. No, there's one month of the year where you can nog it up and yeah. then you have to stop. Yeah, I don't want to dump it down the drain and I don't want to run out before. You said like a a sailor during the Napoleonic Wars on the high seas in the middle of the Pacific getting your your eggnog ration for the day. I know. I know. It's so delicious. (laughs) One of the only good things about this year was was my discovery of making my own eggnog. And I use that word the way Christopher Columbus does. Discovering something (laughs) that was already there. (laughs) discovering something that millions of people had discovered before and killing millions in the process yeah that's uh, that was also my process for this year's eggnog batch yeah this is mirror universe adam right (laughs) uh well adam do you want to get into the mirror universe today uh there's no choice in the matter ben uh as season three of star trek discovery has diverted to, to an airport run by the mirror universe. We're going to be sleeping in the terminal for a second straight episode as we discuss season three, episode 10 of Star Trek Discovery. It's Terra Firma part two. We are picking up right where we left off, I think. This is the continuation of Mug throwing Burnham in the in the brig. Mm-hmm. She told them to take her to the agonizer at the end of the last episode, but for some reason they they throw her into just a cell at first so that they can kind of dialogue each other to death. I thought for a moment that was going to be agonizer XL. Right. I did too. I was I was like, "Oh man, like the, does it hurt even more when you're in a really big room?" 
you can like throw yourself around and like supplementally injure yourself by being <laughs> agonized. It's eleven out of ten on the uh, on the dialogue scale, right? Like the yeah. the energy is is just as big as as when we left off. It's it's insane. Couple of things about this sequence that I really like are, and this is something that we talk about on the Hit War Movie Podcast, Friendly Fire. An actor's willingness to suspend their vanity uh, for the sake of showing pain. Yeah. Sonequa Martin Green uh, goes without makeup for a number of scenes. Uh, she is seen as being like transformed into someone being tortured by the agonizers over a period of time. And yeah. along with her performance, really makes this transformation scary. Uh, I think it's it's again like I I think she is one of the bright spots of this show, uh, and especially now, uh, her willingness to do that I thought was great. I totally agree, Adam. Did it seem to you like they changed lenses a little bit, like punching in closer? They were not using flattering lenses, and they were going in close on her face as she was yeah. accumulating uh, the damage from this in a way that helped uh, tell the story too. Yeah, I mean it's it is. It's awful. Yeah. Um, I imagine this probably comes from like like studio suits as much as anything, but I don't think that we see women um, subjected to this kind of like makeup transformation very often in television because uh, I think that like <laughs> the, the way our dog shit capitalist patriarchy works is that we never want to see women uh, like anything but attractive when we are being presented with them on screen. Uh-huh. And so this feels like really intense and and unique. It's also another another rep with the agonizer and the legend of the agonizer in such a way that I think incorporates some contemporary uh, torture techniques. Like I don't think we've experienced an agonizer that wakes you up after a period of time to re-torture you. Yeah. In a way that we've heard stories about uh, about modern torture techniques, you know, like like there's a it's not just a booth that makes you feel pain. It, there's some psychological stuff happening there too. Right. The ISS Disco is a black site CIA operation. Yeah. The dialogue between Mira Michael Burnham and and Mug here is interesting because she accuses Mug of retiring. To the to the Charon. like yeah, the Charon is like a pleasure barge. <laughs> and if you weren't super plugged into Mug's plan, I, like I could see that being absolutely what most people view it as. Right, it's super intense, and they start to like debate like finer points of fascist politics like if we don't give our subjects something to live for they will always be in rebellion the number of revolts that we had to quash was up 50 percent year over year <laughs> and like and like that starts to get expensive so we have to that's what's known as the revolt hockey stick <laughs> yeah like she she like cites genghis khan as uh as a, a person who ran an empire that she admires and wants to model the terran empire off of uh-huh and meanwhile michael burnham is flipping shit back in her face saying like 
every single person that we haven't conquered is forming this coalition to fight you. So you need to you need to focus on that and not like this kind of policy shift that is aimed at making a slightly softer and more friendly fascist empire. Right. They, you know, they do not come to an agreement in this moment. And Giorgio winds up retiring to her quarters where she does have the agonizer Twitch stream on the, in the background a lot, but uh, (laughs) she's not like, uh, she's not taking her mind off of the agony, but she is, uh, she is also running her, her business. For, uh, for agony on the go, you want (laughs) to, you want to take the pad with you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like to drive around watching agony though. Like it's just too distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll download the Agony and, and watch it later. Agony works surprisingly well in podcast form, as the greatest discovery often proves. We get a great, big, awesome Sonequa Martin-Green scream at the conclusion of this scene, which is just amazing. It's never not amazing to hear her go 10 out of 10 vocally. I will kill It's awesome. I just wanted to call attention to it because we always do. Yeah. Thank you. Killy gets the job of kind of like flipping Michael Burnham. <laughs> this is like such funny delegation by Giorgio because she's like, hey, like you're one of the great torturers in the fleet. And uh, Killy likes this job. She uh, she does it with some zeal. Uh, but Giorgio doesn't take her, doesn't just leave it to her. Like there's a, a pretty interesting moment where Giorgio comes into the cell. I guess Burnham has been given a brief respite from the agonizer booth and is sleeping in the cell. And Giorgio gives her some fireflies in a, in like a fish jar. I think this is the moment where I realized that Mug has really changed like on a, on a deep level from what she was when we first met her. I'm still a uh, fish jar. Fish bowl. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Let's see. We've got a, a jar of strawberry, a jar of grape. We got a jar of fish. <laughs> I'm quitting the show. For my toast. <laughs> there is a, when I saw this object placed in her cell, I, I thought there was not a chance that this wouldn't be smashed against someone's face. <laughs> and and stab through a throat, right? You're giving a, a dangerous prisoner access to glass. Yeah. I don't know. That softening of the character is only by degrees, right? And I think that the the writing challenge of this of this two episode arc is how reformed do you make Giorgio? Because I don't believe that you could like entirely reform Giorgio. I think that if if they went any further than this, it would feel like insanely, it would feel incredibly saccharine and wishful thinking. Like, I don't think that she has entirely given up on the evil person that she was just that her perspective on the utility of evil has changed. Were you not a little bit confused by the ambiguity of, what we could just call the mission, the mission that she's on in the mirror universe. 
because I mean, by the end, we realize that this has all been a test, but during this yeah. mission, were you clear on on her goals? I thought her goal was just to make sure that Michael survived. Like that was the top line goal and everything else was just secondary to that. Like I didn't I didn't think she was going in there to reform the place. I, I think her goal was to not get deposed. But like, yeah, I've been wondering since she stabbed Stamets, because we know that Stamets was alive when we visited the yeah the mirror universe in season one. So I was like, like, are we changing the timeline here? Like what exactly is happening right. with causality? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering if how, like how much of a goal she has, like if. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it's just like, okay, I have a second crack at this, and the thing I regretted most was killing my daughter. So The question of causality is super important at this point and at all other points in this two-episode series because without any sort of stakes, uh, you remove the tension that you're trying to encourage here. Right. I mean, I never expected Discovery to change from being kind of a sci-fi space opera type of series to more of a, a musical but Giorgio breaks into song here she sings all I ever wanted all I ever needed was for us to rule our empire <laughs> betrayal is very unnecessary I recently learned that <laughs> Wow. So moody. Beautiful song. <laughs> There's no chance anyone who's been inside of an agonizer doesn't smell like pee, right? <laughs> and the agonizer itself has to smell like pee. Yeah, that's a that's like a phone booth in a bus station kind of a smell coming out of that agonizer. I feel like that's got to be in in a way that like the smell sense is so tied to like memory obviously but also like instinctual human being shit like as soon yeah. as you smell that inside the booth you've got to be terrorized before the thing's even turned on right yeah it's like uh, Pavlov's torture subject <laughs> but also you know what taking that one step further Ben I wonder if whenever anyone in the mirror universe goes to take a pee if that is not a pleasurable experience because it's tied to the memory of agony. Yeah. I love taking a pee. I would hate to have that ruined for me. I know. So the deal is struck. Michael Burnham can come back into the fold, but she's got to she's got to kind of tie off all of the loose ends of her aborted coup attempt by killing everybody that had aligned themselves with her and Lorca. <laughs> There's a, an amazing moment where she comes in and starts dumping com badges on uh, on the desk while Mug is trying to have a evil McLaughlin group. Issue one. I thought this was a fun scene of street magic because <laughs> I have no idea how she fit that many badges into her hand out of frame. Like, because with <laughs> right. one hand she's like sprinkling the two, and then the other hand she just turns her other hand over and like like a rainfall <laughs> 40 badges hit the table yeah it looks like she hit three sevens on a slot machine with the other hand yeah did you feel like 
Michael Burnham's uh, pivot was earned based on the relative amount of torture she received. I thought a scene was missing. And that scene was Killy going Saeed from Lost on her. Like, we're given the the impression that Killy is a great torturer, but all we get mm-hmm. is a couple of questions and that's it. I kind of wanted it to go darker and see some fingernails being ripped out, you know? This is a show that shows trauma. Where's the trauma? Yeah, I, I, I agree that they kind of underused Killy. There was too much setup for the amount of Killy we got. And I kind of feel like Detmer was the one that persuaded Michael Burnham to rejoin the fold Uh as much as anyone. Uh, I don't know if I like believe the dialogue. You know, I think that Detmer was probably imagining that she was getting Michael back up on her feet so that they could fight another day. Yeah. But, you know, Detmer doesn't realize how expendable she is to Michael Burnham. There's a quality to Mary Wiseman's performance in these scenes that that never totally turns off the impression you get that she may be having fun. Yeah. And I think hard torture would have been a way to turn that off completely, you know? Yeah, right. I really want to talk to actors from this show about how fun doing Mirror Universe is. Because I think that, like, there is... Like, from a production standpoint... And a, and a performance standpoint, Mirror Universe has got to be a real fun mm-hmm. break from the from the norm on this show. Yeah, you really want to get out of those breathable <laughs> fabrics whenever possible and, and put on plastic shell. <laughs> Adam Kelpian is back off the menu, boys. Yeah, uh, for health reasons. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess ganglia was making everyone shit. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, heart disease among the upper echelons of Terran society. Yeah, a lot of gout, and uh, and so they've decided to stop eating so much ganglia. Uh, also, not on the menu is the idea of the coalition because off-screen uh, Mug has smashed it. Yeah, that's a an indication of how much time has passed right. that I think is interesting because when she when she comes out of this toward the end of the episode she's like wow like <laughs> I just experienced three months of totally unbelievable experiences you're telling me I just inner lighted <laughs> right and like without moments like that this would feel like it takes place over the course of like three or four days right wait a second doc you're telling me <laughs> That this is a time portal? You built a time portal out of an architecturally salvaged door? <laughs> they talk about how they're going to get back at Lorca in this scene. Um, they discuss his uh, his radio code being Vicar. Boy, I was shocked that Lorca did not show up in this episode after how many times he gets name dropped in part one and part two. It's a shame that a code name like Vicar wasn't said through a Boston accent. <laughs> Where the hell's Lorca? He's going by code name Vicar now. You know what I look forward to every day when I come here? That the fucking Vicar won't show up. 
the best part of my fucking day. <laughs> How you like them vicars? That's that's the pivot in the mission is now is now to get vicar. Right. And uh this dinner kind of feels like the coffee shop scene in Heat, <laughs> but yeah, they they come out of it not with a new commitment to kill each other, but with a an aligned goal. And uh, they they're kind of post gaming this uh, mug and mirror Saru, uh, and talking about uh, what this means. And Saru is is like, "Hey, I actually got some bad news. I'm about to die due to Vaharai." the term that I keep being shocked that you know. And she she kind of reads him into the big Vaharai secret. I've already started growing spikes in some different places on my body. <laughs> I have feelings that I've never felt before. Someone gave me the Joy of Vaharai book and uh, <laughs> very, very realistic drawings in there. Kind of a turn yeah. off, really. Well, let me get you a copy of Our Spikes Ourselves. and <laughs> Everybody Spikes. <laughs> yeah. This is, a, uh, this is a checkpoint in the episode, I think, that's, that's fairly important because I think it's asking you, the viewer, who you're meant to trust. And I think this is related to that question earlier about the, the, the torture of Michael Burnham. Because we don't see Michael Burnham tortured sufficiently, I don't think we feel like we trust that she's made the turn into trustworthiness in this universe. And in this scene, I think we're meant to trust Saru based on the relationship he's developing with Mirror Universe Giorgio. And like there's a the, the episode is obscuring this in a way that I think it believes is useful to set up the surprise that happens later. But at this point in the episode, do you trust Michael Burnham more than you trust Saru or Saru more than Michael Burnham? I had really complicated feelings about this scene because Saru is being told that everyone he's ever known that has been killed was killed needlessly. Mm-hmm. And he's also a slave and specifically a slave to Mug and is being told that like... She is pouring insult on this on this injury and he's outraged briefly and she's like, no, like live a better life, like, (laughs) like live well. That's the best revenge. And and he's like, what What are you talking about? Like, (laughs) this is shattering my my already completely fucked up world. And I (laughs) like him wanting like vengeance specifically against her would have been completely justified by this yeah. scene but it's not the way the scene goes and so I, I i don't quite think that they like i didn't quite buy that mug is like uh look i know i know a, a guy like you he's the captain of a starship a terrible captain that could be you <laughs> just imagine you being an unqualified captain of a starship that no one trusts. One day. Yeah, aim high, Saru. <laughs> and and Mirror Universe Saru is like, recognizes this weird behavior from her and is like, save yourself. You're going to get yourself killed talking like that. Yeah. I guess that's the moment where we're meant to trust Mirror Universe Saru for him to go out on that limb. If he's gone through Vaharai at some point in this episode, 
Where is the scene of him spiking everyone, you know? Uh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails Closer video, scene missing, is the... (laughs) (laughs) Is what we get. So they're trying to find Lorca. He has kind of gone to ground. Nobody can, uh, can determine his location, but they pick up somebody trying to radio him around Risa. Uh, this is a character named Duggins who uses the alias Carnelian. I guess he's like a big Pokemon fan. I was positive this was Kevin Pollock when he showed up on the screen. And then I squinted. Oh, funny. And I was like, wait, is this Carl? Like the Paul <laughs> Gilfoyle character? I thought it was Jeffrey Combs when he first showed up on screen. This is not the fault of the actor. This is just a fault of a of a creative that guy mind that that my brain has become. Like always trying to place the that guy in any scene. Well, and it's also a weird angle, and there's like some static on the screen. So yeah, like I I got bumped in the same way, but to a different a different that guy. I had to back it up a couple of times because I wasn't listening to dialogue. I was like, <laughs> is that who I think it is? Neither. What do you think the uh, Horgon looks like on Mirror Universe Risa? There's a chance that it's like the really boring sex capital of the universe, you know? <laughs> yeah, vanilla Risa. Yeah. It's like the it's the one part of the Mirror Universe that's not kinky. Yeah, Risa is the place in the Prime Universe where you go to let go of your inhibitions to vacation. Right. But maybe a vacation <laughs> from the Mirror Universe is more... Uh, puritanical like maybe oh it's a handmaid's tale environment down yeah. mirror universe Risa. yeah maybe that's wow. what you get off on like fucking through the sheet <laughs> vessels powering up yeah so this guy uh gives some some lip to them and explains that uh they're never gonna they're never gonna catch Lorca, and michael burnham shoots him and uh, and then reveals that she has been plotting a whole new coup this entire time. And uh, we get another another scene where she confronts Mug about uh, the disastrous direction she's taking her empire. Right, because they beam aboard uh, not Paul Guilfoyle or Kevin Pollack into the brig. And that's where this... That's where the whole thing breaks down, right? Yeah. It's it's coup on coup in the brig area, and uh, no one expects the Kelpian army as backup. Mug's sense of dramatic timing is really amazing. I feel like <laughs> she like she always gets like that last word in before everybody kicks in the door, waving the four four, and uh, yeah, like this goes by so fast. Uh, like I almost don't care about where Mirror Universe Saru got rifles and trained in their use. Right, like he's throwing Culber around the room. He's shooting people. Sonequa Martin-Green and, and uh, Michelle Yeoh are getting in a great big Star Trek fight that ends with a sword through Burnham's belly and a knife in Giorgio's neck. Yeah. And as Giorgio shuffles loose this mortal coil, she's being cradled in the arms of Saru, who agrees to uh, like live a better life, I guess. 
What we don't see are the moments after going back to uh, back to the snow where Saru and all the rest of the Kelpians are just gunned down and then vented into space. <laughs> yeah, they they're gunned down. They get their their spike ganglia ripped out, and they're like, "Ooh, crunchy! I like I like this new kind of ganglia." Yeah, very very satisfying, like a Cheeto. Georgia wakes up on the ice, cradled now in. Michael Burnham's arms. She just walked through the door from Michael Burnham's perspective and collapsed on the other side. And yeah, has uh, has inner lighted. She takes out a recorder from elementary school, starts playing uh, Three Blind Mice. <laughs> it's very hard to play in in the in the very cold conditions out there. Mm. You can't you can't make a good embouchure in that kind of weather. You're freezing. It was all a test, Adam. Yeah. Carl is the guardian of forever that we encountered in an animated series episode during the off season on this show. Yeah. Now we've been given homework to do in our next off season by watching that uh, original series episode. Yeah. Basically, he had to see like what kind of a person she had become to determine what timeline to send her to. Because I, I got the sense that he could send her to, like, contemporary Mirror Universe or past Mirror Universe or past Prime Universe or past Kelvin Universe. Like, any, like he could send her anywhere. And he's the test was to determine, like, what environment she would fit in best in and cause the least problems in. Right, because destination is part of his task, but also uh, his portal was used for evil for a long time during the uh, during the temporal wars. So he had to make sure that she wouldn't abuse uh, the power of time travel first yeah. and foremost. And then once she made it clear that she was going to be a good, uh, he would grant her access to the portal to uh, her new television series. <laughs> Carl's like, you know, I, I just watched the pilot. That's what these last two yeah. episodes were. And I think we're going to take it to series. I think we... <laughs> That was the test. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she followed the campsite rule, Adam. She left the mirror universe better than she found it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, ben, with 15 minutes left, can I interest you in a story about Star Trek Discovery Season 3 already in progress? Yeah, please do. <laughs> Back on the disco, uh, Adira is working on the Kelpian ship in a nebula problem uh, when, when Book rolls up and connects his home pod to the computer that they've been working on. It's like, sounds pretty good, ain't it? Sounds real good. I love it. Really, really surprising bass, given the size of this thing. Really fills the room. <laughs> That's that computational audio. They don't put that in that echo, do they? In it, governor. Just a good six minutes of, of product placement here. Yeah. I liked uh, I liked a lot about this scene. Like Adira is complaining that they can't crack into the computer in the Kelpian ship that's in a nebula on the other side of the galaxy, and speculating maybe it's just a really old computer and it's fucked up and broken. <laughs> uh, Jet Reno comes in to complain that the uh, computations they've been doing have have drained all of her power. And <laughs> Stamets is like, who are you? You haven't been on this series for 
six episodes now. What's going on? What Jet Reno is really doing is flaunting her contract terms. Right. <laughs> what about that scene where uh, where we were all like looking out the window together? Where were you in that? I mean, I feel like we've gotten the whole crew together a bunch of times and you just haven't been there. Mirror Universe Jet Reno's jokes are really hurtful. <laughs> so Book has he's been able to uh, read the manual, read the tech manual and spot some gaps in their knowledge about the uh, the current timeline and, and, and helps them connect to the Kelpian ship. It's going to get them, I guess get them a little bit more information about what they're flying into in the last episode of the season. Ben, you've you've been told some family members have unfortunately been in a terrible accident and uh, you've been t- you've been told well after the fact their their car is flipped over in a ditch. Uh, it's filled with water. Wouldn't you like to go out there as soon as possible? Like, you don't need to know the temperature of the water. You don't need to know anything about the car, really. All, all you need to do is head out there because it's an emergency. But it's not. That's the, the thing they keep coming back to is that this happened 120 years ago. Like, I agree that I want to know the answer to the mystery urgently. But like, like, I don't think that they that anybody thinks there's anyone there to rescue. Yes, but... The way the show works is that you can't rule out that possibility. Right. In the way that, and, and here's why. When, uh, when we met, uh, when, we, when we met up with the non-people on the seed ship, like that was life after death. That was, that was life after impossible circumstances. This is a show that, that makes the case for that over and over again. Yeah. And why are we just supposed to not have hope in this case? Entirely unclear. We sort of wrap the show on a couple of moments of uh, acknowledging the the new mug-free series that we are moving into. Saru has a moment with the Admiral who is uh, hologramming in from Starfleet HQ. And the Admiral kind of puts the wood on Saru about letting smuggler guy plug shit into his computer (laughs) he's like you realize you've got sphere data and a spore drive and you're letting a guy plug some some emerald chain tech into things we would prefer if discovery remained air gapped yeah (laughs) and and like there's there's voice given to the idea that uh michael burnham is perhaps destined for that captain's chair in this episode also so i thought the this scolding uh, was an interesting thing to have in that self same episode. There was it, it felt like a weird tone from Admiral somehow more by the book than Captain Esteban in Star Trek Three. <laughs> it felt to me like I don't know. It, it felt like the scene was a setup to establishing him as maybe a bad character or a, a bad operator in this thing, and I can't be more specific than that something about his tone and the way he put it here Hmm. it didn't it seemed less about protecting the ship by not allowing uh chain tech integration and more about well if you know about this chain tech 
I really don't want you to know about the rest of the chain tech that you don't know about at this point that we're currently using because we secretly have a back channel deal with the chain for some nefarious reason that will be revealed in the season finale, you know? Like that was the math that was Hmm. happening to me in this moment, but that may just be projection. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say in a in a season like this how much planting is going on. We're very close to the end now, and I still don't know how much has been planted that is yet to be paid off. Yeah. So the idea with Mug is that Carl has tested her, and because she made different choices in her adventure in the Mirror Universe, and those choices were inherently good, He's going to send her back to a time where the mirror universe and the prime universe were in closer proximity for her health. This is seen as a health benefit because Mug is still spazzing out in the snow after returning from her field trip. And she's fairly pissed off about this. She's like, I thought that going through the door was going to be a cure and it's not. Right. It was entirely to determine uh, where she would uh, have to wind up. So... There is, uh, you know, that moment where she says to Michael Burnham, like, maybe you should be captain. Think about it. Uh, anyways, off I go. Saru's terrible. <laughs> I think you should be more observant of these things. <laughs> yeah. I would be scared as hell to walk through a fucking time butthole. Like, as many times as she has gone through them, like, this this thing is terrifying. It looks like a, it looks like a saw blade, you know? <laughs> it looks like a burr grinder for coffee. They do a good job of stretching the taffy of this moment. Like there, there is a pregnancy to the pause before going through that I found pretty effective. I love that you also get a moment after Mug goes through the portal where Michael Burnham looks at Carl and is like, getting more of those time portal tickets for me and my crew who, <laughs> in case you've forgotten, also want to go back to their home time at some point. <laughs> We'd even be happy to leave the ship here if that seems like the right thing to do. Uh, Anyways, all of our families are back there. (laughs) Saru's like, what does Carl need with a starship? (laughs) His one good moment as captain. (laughs) (laughs) They have a a memorial service for Mug in the mess hall on Disco. Pretty astonishing moment. I just don't buy that there's this much warm feeling for Mug. I think she was too evil. I don't think that they earned this. Uh, I I completely agree with you. This felt to me more like uh, actors eulogizing Michelle Yeoh and, and like toasting her going off to make her own series than it is about these characters making decisions and saying things that are true to their characters. This felt like uh, like wagging the show a little bit. Yeah. This is space cannibal Hitler. They're, they're toasting, like wistfully. Yeah, right. And, and they're a bunch of leftists going like, wow, one of the, I mean, didn't agree with space cannibal Hitler's politics, but one of the goats... You know, like what? I understand the the moment of like Tilly and Saru saying like surprisingly got a lot out of my relationship with Mug because that that oppositional energy really helped me strengthen my own mm-hmm. position. But that's not something that you, you like admire in the other person. It's it's like you may appreciate a an, an experience with a bully, but you don't 
appreciate the bully in and of themselves. One of these days, I think we as a society are going to learn uh, that when a good person attempts to find common ground with a bad person, it means the good person has lost. Yeah. And this over and over again, this show seems to be making that case that kindness wins. And this is this is one of those scenes that that seems to be emphasizing that. And it may have worked to make Mirror Universe Georgiou uh, a slightly less lethal person in her continuing adventures to a series of her own, but to not regard who she really was at any point is disingenuous. Yep. I wonder about this, you know, like the there is the love thine enemy adage and Starfleet seems to be about living up to that, but when thine enemy is using that love against you, mm-hmm. it feels foolish. It right. feels like that bad faith that Mug always acted in should count against her in some way. Interesting punctuation at the end of this two-parter here. Uh, they shoot a torpedo casing, an empty one, uh, filled with <laughs> swords and knives and shit <laughs> out of the closest sun. Yeah. Maybe we'll return to this place one day. <laughs> <laughs> see what see what blooms out of uh, Space Hitler's torpedo casing. Saru sits down in the captain's chair and Detmer says, where to, Captain? And he says, first start of the right and straight on till morning. And she's like, don't you think we should get back to like that nebula where the <laughs> where the <laughs> ship full of Kelpians is that probably was where the burn started? Like, I feel like that should be where we go. And he's like, oh, right, 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 right. Yes, yes, yes. Straight on till morning. That's what we were doing dur- during the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like this episode, Adam? I wish it didn't feel so transparently like a pilot episode for another series. Mm -hmm. I understand you've got to cleave this character out to make that possible. I think the two-parter ably did that in sending her on her way. But with three episodes left in this third season, I'm I'm still missing the future deeply and I feel like by the time we ever get to experience it it's going to be over and then we're going to we will have gone back to the past or whatever Ben I had an epiphany as I was watching this episode the episode's good the episode succeeds in what it was trying to do but it's not a season three Star Trek Discovery episode it's a pilot this is a series that keeps writing itself puzzles that it then has to unfuck you know how do you do a puzzle like oh we have a pre-original series ship that travels faster than warp 10 uh what are we going to do about the fact that that was never mentioned in the original series yeah uh spock has a sister what are we going to do about that that fact and writing two entire seasons of television around the idea of uh like unbreaking the timeline given the setup is something that they did to great effect, I think, but writing, writing space Hitler into the crew, I think is another example of that. And they had to do a two episode arc to get her back out of the crew. 
I just wish they hadn't ridden, ridden her in in the first place. These last two episodes have felt more like cleaning up a mess that season one made than writing for a new season of television. If all it took to change a bad person was proximity to good people, uh, we would have far fewer bad people in the world. And I feel like this show is trying to make the case that just by Mirror Universe Giorgio being on the Discovery, that, that is a that's sufficient to change her. And I I wish I bought it. I just don't buy it. Well speaking of good people, Adam, do you want to check your priority one inbox and see if any good people have left messages there? Oh yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Look at this message. Ben, we've got one right here. Yeah, we've got a personal message, and it's from the crew of the OCC, and it's to Ian. Goes like this. Ian, thank you for introducing us to the Uxbridge Shimoda Extended Universe. Many hours of fun and happy memories have been made as a result. Looking forward to going to another live show together post-plague. You are an awesome guy, and we're so happy to have you in the Bwangs. <laughs> Arthur is willing to be your chadich anytime. Love, Francie and Joel. Wow, uh, Ian, not cutting his own Bwangs. <laughs> instead, uh, instead accepted in the Bwangs. Good job by them. Good job indeed. Uh, well, if you would like to send a Priority One message on the show... Uh, please do. It helps us keep the lights on around here, and it's a fun way to uh, celebrate a loved one or promote a, a thing if you have something to promote. It's uh, MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. In looking at our schedule, it looks like we have some openings coming up. So if you want to write in the drying cement of the last couple episodes of The Greatest Discovery, uh, make sure you get them in in time. Three ups left. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit, plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. 
Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? I think that the character that I had the most fun watching and that seemed to be having the most fun was Captain Killy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think uh, I think I'm going to make her my Edward Larkin for this episode. Um, and I uh, I think partly that's because I just like felt like she was underused. Like they set her up for more than she got to do in this one. Yeah, that's a good call. How about you? Uh, I think I am going to nominate Mirror Universe Saru. I really like how uh, how Doug Jones played this character. I am sad that we didn't get that scene that we often get in a war movie where, you know, a gun falls to Saru's feet and he reaches for it and he is thrilled by the possibility of finally, like, yeah, getting that kind of violent agency <laughs> that that a character like his is granted in a moment like that. Instead, like mm-hmm. he just bursts through the room. I feel like there is a moment where where he and his people turn that corner and they are thrilled about it, and yeah. uh, including all of the vengeance feelings that he's got to feel in that moment. That's got to be thrilling too, thrilling and fun in an Edward Larkin kind of way. So, uh, Mirror Universe through. The better Saru, in my mind, is going to be my wow. Edward Larkin. <laughs> yeah, make okay. him the captain of the disco. Look at me. <laughs> I am the captain now. <laughs> well, uh, Ben, we have, as as I said before, three more episodes remain in this third season of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, did you watch a, uh, a promo at all? 
I did. I uh, I was thanked profusely for checking out the ready room, mm-hmm. and then I uh, I fast forwarded to the final three minutes where I got the glimpse of the next episode, and it looks like a butt cut continuation uh, right into the next episode, much like we got in this episode. Uh, we're in. Oh wow. We're in the eulogy scene, basically, uh, in the commissary still, and we get the return of Gray. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, that will be great news for Adira, who was clearly in denial about how much they missed Gray. So, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, curious to see whether or not they uh, start to make moves toward the Veruban Nebula anytime soon. I know. Even if you're desperate, uh, a Verubin sounds pretty good. Yeah. You know? I would eat a Verubin if I was stuffed, you know? Yeah. It's uh, the sauerkraut that I like. Yeah. It's delicious. It's good shit. Well, Adam, uh, we're going to leave it with Rob's from here, uh, but uh, check back with us next week for The Greatest Discovery. And hey, uh, we're right before the christmas holiday if you celebrate christmas and are looking for last minute gift ideas how about a gift membership to maximumfun.org for your favorite greatest discovery viewer there's so much extra content in that feed you're you're giving them a gift that can't fit in a box yeah indeed that's because it's too big The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. The show is produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by the great Adam Ragusia, who has an amazing cooking channel on YouTube. Go check it out. Maybe you can make a holiday treat. Hey, if you're looking for more Trek, why don't you discover our back catalog? There are plenty of fun episodes that are great to listen to time and time again. Hey, don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the handles Greatest Trek. Those accounts run by the great Bill Tilly, who also holds the keys to the P.O. box. So if you have some plates or random Trek accoutrement, he might be able to guide you in the right direction. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on The Greatest Discovery. Double cheeked up. Eggnog. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.